Act Two of The Castle Spectre by Matthew Lewis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One The Armory. Suits of armor are arranged on both sides upon pedestals, with the names of their possessors written under each. Enter Motley, peeping in. The coast is clear. Hist, hist. You may enter. Enter Percy. Loiter not here. Quick, my good fellow, conduct me to Angela. Softly, softly. A little caution is needful. And I promise you just now I'm not upon roses. You remember the servant who hinted that Earl Osmond had a hand at his brother's murder? Should I be suspected of admitting you to the castle, his fate might be mine. And whatever you may think of it, my lord, I shouldn't be at all pleased at waking up tomorrow to find myself dead in my bed. If such are your fears, why not leave me at once to Angela? Are we not more exposed in this open hall? Be contented and leave all to me. I will contrive matters so that Osmond shall have you before his eyes and be no jot the wiser. Here. Taking down a suit of armor. Put on this coat of mail. You must make up your mind to play a statue for an hour or two. How? Nay, tis absolutely necessary. Quick, quick, ere the servants quit the hall where they are now at dinner. Here's the helmet. The gauntlet. The shield. So, now take this truncheon in your hand. And there we have you armed, Capapi. And now be good enough to explain what purpose this masquerade is to answer. Willingly. You are to know that since the late Earl's death, the castle is thought to be haunted. The servants are fully persuaded that his ghost wanders every night through the long galleries and parades the old towers and dreary halls which abound in this melancholy mansion. He is supposed to be dressed in complete armor, and that which you wear at present was formerly his. Now hear my plan. The Earl prepares to hold a conference with Lady Angela. Even now I heard her summoned to attend him in the armory. Placed upon this pedestal, you may listen to their discourse unobserved, and thus form a proper judgment both of your mistress and her guardian. As soon as it grows dark, I will conduct you to Angela's apartments. The obscurity will then shelter you from discovery, and, even should you be observed, you will pass for Earl Reginald's spectre. I do not dislike your plan, but tell me, Gilbert, do you believe this tale of the apparition? Oh, heaven forbid! Not a word of it! Had I minded all the strange things related to this castle, I should have died of fright in the first half-hour. Why, they say that Earl Hubert rides every night round the castle on a white horse, that the ghost of Lady Bertha haunts the west pinnacle of the chapel tower, and that Lord Hildebrand, who was condemned for treason some sixty years ago, may be seen in the great hall, regularly, at midnight, playing at football with his own head. Above all, they say that the spirit of the late countess sits nightly in her oratory and sings her baby to sleep. However, if it be so... A bell sounds thrice, loud and solemn. Hark, tis the earl. Quick, to your post. Percy ascends the pedestal. Farewell. I must get out of his way. 
but as soon as he quits this chamber, I'll rejoin you. Do so, and farewell. Exit Motley. The folding doors are thrown open. Saib, Hassan, Muley, and Alaric enter, preceding Earl Osmond, who walks with his arms folded and his eyes bent upon the ground. Saib advances a sofa, into which, after making a few turns through the room, Osman throws himself. He motions to his attendants, and they withdraw. He appears lost in thought, then suddenly rises, and again traverses the room with disordered steps. I will not sacrifice my happiness to hers. For sixteen long years have I thirsted, and now, when the cup of joy again stands full before me, shall I dash it from my lip? No, Angela, you ask of me too much. Since the moment when I pierced her heart, deprived of whom life became odious, since my soul was stained with his blood who loved me, with hers whom I loved, no form has been grateful to my eye, no voice spoken pleasure to my soul save Angela's, save only Angela's, doting upon one whom death has long clasped in his arms, tortured by desires which I never hoped to satisfy. Many a mournful year has my heart known no throb but of anguish, no guest but remorse at committing a fruitless crime. Hope, that stranger, once more revisits my bosom, the fiend who led me through passion's mazes to the heights of guilt owns that a crime so great well merits a reward. He bids the monument's jaws unclose. Evelina revives in her daughter, and soon shall the fires which consume me be quenched in Angela's arms. What, though her heart be Percy's? What, though she prefers a basilisk kiss to mine? because my short-lived joy may cause her eternal sorrow, shall I reject those pleasures sought so long, desired so earnestly? That will I not, by heaven. Mine she is, and mine she shall be, though Reginald's bleeding ghosts flit before me and thunder in my ear, Hold, hold. Peace, stormy heart. She comes. Enter Angela. Come hither, Angela. Wherefore so sad? That downcast eye, that listless air, neither suit your age or fortunes. Raised from obscurity to rank and splendor, can this change call no smile upon your cheek? Where'er you turn, Respect and adoration wait you. A thousand servants move obedient to your nod. The treasures of India are lavish to adorn your person. Yet still do I see you, forgetting what you are. 
look back with regret to what you were. Oh, my good lord, esteem me not ungrateful. I acknowledge your bounties, but they have not made me happy. I still linger in thought near those scenes where I passed the blessed period of infancy. I still thirst for those simple pleasures which habit has made to me most dear. The birds which my own hands reared, and the flowers which my own hands planted, the banks on which I rested when fatigued, the wild, tangled wood which supplied me with strawberries, and the village church where I prayed to be virtuous, while I yet knew of vice and virtue but the name, all have acquired rights to my memory and my love. What, these costly dresses? These scenes of pomp and greatness? Dazzle my eyes, but leave my heart unsatisfied. What I would meet with is affection, not respect. I had rather be obliged than obeyed, and all these glittering gems are far less dear to me than one flower of a wreath which Edwy's hands have woven. Confusion. While I saw you, Cheviot Hills, I was happy, oh, how happy! While I listened to your artless accents, friends of my childhood, how swelled my fond heart with gratitude and pleasure! At morn when I left my bed, light were my spirits, and gay as the zephyrs of summer. And when at night my head again pressed my pillow, I whispered to myself, Happy has been today, and tomorrow will be as happy. Then sweet was my sleep, and my dreams were of those whom I loved dearest. Romantic enthusiast. These thoughts did well for the village maid, but disgrace the daughter of Sir Malcolm Mowbray. Let them be changed for others better suited to your birth, to the fortune which awaits you. Hear me, Angela, an English baron loves you, a nobleman than whom our island boasts few more potent. Tis to him that your hand is destined, tis on him that your heart must be bestowed. I cannot dispose of that which has long been in others. My heart is Edwy's. Edwy's? A peasant's? For the obscurity of his birth, chance must be blamed. The merit of his virtues belongs wholly to himself. By heaven, you seem to think that poverty's a virtue. Sir, I think tis a misfortune, not a crime. And when in spite of nature's injustice, and the frowns of a prejudiced and illiberal world, I feel some low-born but illustrious spirit prove itself superior to the station which it fills. I hail it with pleasure, with admiration, with respect. Such a spirit I found in Edwy, and finding, loved. My blood boils with passion. You say that by these sentiments I disgrace my rank. I say that to break my given word would disgrace it more. Edwy has my plighted faith. He received it on the last evening which I passed in Northumberland, as we sat on a low bench before old Allen's cottage. It was a heavenly night, sweet and tranquil as the loves of angels. A gentle breeze whispered among the honeysuckles which bloomed above us, and the full moon tinged with her sliver like the divine towers of Onwick. It was then that for the first time I gave him my hand, and I swore that I never would give it but to him. It was then that for the first time he pressed his lips to mine, and I swore that my lips should never be pressed by another. Girl, girl, you drive me to distraction. You alarm me, my lord. Permit me to retire. Going. Osmond detains her violently by the arm. Stay. Angela, I love you. Angela, starting. My lord! 
love you to madness. My bosom is a gulf of devouring flames. I must quench them in your arms or perish. Nay, strive not to escape. Remain and hear me. I offer you my hand. If you accept it, mistress of these fair and rich domains, your days shall glide away in happiness and honor. But if you refuse and scorn my offer, force shall this instant. Force? Oh no! You dare not be so base! Reflect on your situation, Angela. You're in my power. Remember it and be wise. If you have a generous mind, that will be my surest safeguard. Be it my plea, Osmond, when thus I sue to you for mercy, for protection. Look on me with pity, Osmond. Tis the daughter of the man you loved. Tis a creature, friendless, wretched and forlorn, who kneels before you, who flies to you for refuge. True, I am in your power. Then save me. Respect me. Treat me not cruelly. For I am in your power. I will hear no more. Will you accept my offer? Osmond, I conjure you. Answer my question. Mercy! Mercy! Would you be mine? Speak! Speak! Angela, after a moment's pause, rises and pronounces with firmness, Never to help me, heaven! Osmond, seizing her. Your fate, then, is decided. Angela shrieks. Percy, in a hollow voice. Hold! Osmond starts, but still grasps Angela's arm. Ha! What was that? Angela, struggling to escape. Hark! Hark! Heard you not a voice? Osmond, gazing upon Percy. It came from hence, from Reginald. Was it not a delusion? Did indeed his spirit? Relapsing into his former passion. Well, be it so. Though his ghost should rush between us, thus would I clasp her. Horror! What sight is this? At the moment that he again seizes Angela, Percy extends his truncheon with a menacing gesture and descends from the pedestal. Osmond releases Angela, who immediately rushes from the chamber, while Percy advances a few steps and remains gazing on the Earl steadfastly. I know that shield, that helmet. Speak to me, dreadful vision. Tax me with my crimes. Tell me that you come, stay, speak. Following Percy, who, when he reaches the door through which Angela escaped, turns and signs to him with his hand. Osmond starts back in terror. He forbids my following. He leaves me. The door closes. In a sudden burst of passion and drawing his sword. Hell and fiends! I'll follow him, though lightning blast me. He rushes distractedly from the chamber. Scene two, the castle hall. Enter Alice. He is rudeness. He is ill-breeding. 
on my conscience this house grows worse and worse every day enter motley what can he have done with himself perhaps weary of waiting for me in the armory he has found his way alone to angela how now dame alice what has happened to you you look angry by my troth fool i've little reason to look pleased to be frightened out of my wits by night and thumped and bumped about by day is not likely to put one in the best humour poor soul and who has been thumping and bumping you who has you should rather ask who has not why only here as i was just now going along the narrow passage which leads to the armoury singing to myself and thinking of nothing i met lady angela flying away as if for dear life so i dropped her a curtsy but might as well have spared my pains without minding me any more than if i had been a dog or a cat she pushed me on one side and before i could recover my balance somebody else who came bouncing by me gave me the other thump and there i lay sprawling upon the floor however i tumbled with all possible decency and took great care that my petticoats should cover my legs somebody else what somebody else i know not but he seemed to be in armour in armour pray alice looked he like a ghost what he looked like i cannot say but i am sure he didn't feel like one however you've not heard the worst while i was sprawling upon the ground my lord comes tearing along the passage the first thing he did was to stumble against me away went his heels over he came and in the twinkling of an eye there lay his lordship as soon as he got up again mercy how he stormed he snatched me up called me an ugly old witch shook the breath out of my body then clapped me on the ground again and bounced away after the other two my mind misgives me but what can this mean alice the meaning i neither know or care about but this i know i'll stay no longer in a house where i'm treated so disrespectfully my lady says i out of my way says she and pushes me on one side my lord says i you be damned says he and pushes me on the other i protest i never was so ill-used even when i was a young woman exit this account alarms me should percy be discovered the very thought gives me a creak in my neck at any rate i had better inquire whether going enter father philip hastily father philip stopping him get out of the house what's your way why what's the meaning don't stand prating there but do as i bid you but first tell me i can only tell you to get out of the house kenrick has discovered earl percy you are known to have introduced them the africans are in search of you if you are found you will be hung out of hand fly then to edric's cottage hide yourself there hark someone comes away away ere it's too late pushing him out but earl percy but angela leave them to me you shall hear from me soon only take care of yourself and fly with all diligence away exit motley father philip alone so so he's off and now i've time to take breath i've not moved so nimbly for the last twenty years and in truth 
I'm at present but ill-calculated for velocity of motion. However, my exertions have not been thrown away. I've saved this poor knave from Osmond's vengeance, and should my plan for the lady's release succeed, poor little soul, to see how she took on when Percy was torn from her. Well, well, she shall be rescued from her tyrant. The movable panels, the subterraneous passages, the secret springs well known to me. Oh, I cannot fail of success. But in order to secure it, I'll finally arrange my ideas in the buttery. Whenever I've any great design in hand, I always ask advice of a flag and a veil, and mature my plan over a cold venison pastry. Oh, what an excellent genius must that man have had, who first invented eating and drinking. Exit. Scene 3. A Spacious Chamber. On one side is a couch, on the other a table, which is placed under an arched and lofty window. Enter Osmond, followed by Saib, Hassan, Muley, and Alaric, who conduct Percy disarmed. This, sir, is your prison, but doubtless your confinement will not continue long. The moment which gives me Angela's hand shall restore you to liberty, and until that moment arrives, farewell. Stay, sir, and hear me. By what authority presume you to call me captive? Have you forgotten that you spake to Northumberland's earl? Well, may I forget him? Who could so far forget himself? Was it worthy of Northumberland's earl to steal disguised into my castle and plot with my servant to rob me of my most precious treasure? Mine was that treasure. You deprived me of it basely, and I was justified in striving to regain my own. Earl, nothing can justify unworthy means. If you were wronged, why sought you not your right with your sword's point? I then should have esteemed you a noble foe, and as such would have treated you. But you have stooped to paltry artifice and attacked me like some midnight ruffian, privately and in disguise. By this am I authorized to forget your station and make your penance as degrading as your offense was base. If such are indeed your sentiments, prove them now. Restore my sword, and sheathe your own, and be Angela the Conqueror's reward. No, Earl Percy. I'm not so rash a gamester as to suffer that cast to be recalled, by which the stake is mine already. Angela is in my power. The only man who could wrest her from my arms has wilfully made himself my captive. Such he is, and such he shall remain. Insulting tyrant, your cowardice in refusing my challenge proves sufficiently. Be calm, Earl Percy. You forget yourself. That I'm no coward. My sword is proved in the fields of Scotland. My sword shall again prove it, if when you are restored to liberty, you still question the courage of my heart. Angela wants mine. Repeat your defiance, nor doubt my answering. Angela Vine? That she shall never be. 
There are angels above who favour virtue, and the hour of retribution must one day arrive. Throws himself upon the couch. But long ere the arrival of that hour shall Angela been my bride. And now farewell, Lord Percy. Muley and Saib. My lord. To your charge I commit the earl. Quit not his apartment, nor suffer him for one moment from your sight. My lord, we, we shall, shall obey you. Osmond aside. If she refuse me still, the death of this, her favorite, his death. Oh, through what bloody past do I wander in pursuit of happiness? Yes, I am guilty. Heaven, how guilty. Yet lies the fault with me. Did my own pleasure plant in my bosom these tempestuous passions? No. They were given me at my birth. They were sucked in with my existence. Nature formed me the slave of wild desires. And fate, as she frowned upon my cradle, exclaimed, I doom this babe to be a villain and a wretch. Exit, followed by Hassan and Alaric, who lock the door after him. Look, Muley, how bitterly he frowns. Now he starts from the sofa. Faith, he's in a monstrous fury. That may well be. When you mean to take in other people, it certainly is provoking to be taken in yourself. Percy, after walking a few turns with a disordered air, suddenly stops. He is gone to Angela. Gone, perhaps, to renew that outrage whose completion my presence alone prevented. Helpless and unprotected, with no friend but innocence, no advocate save tears. How will she now repel his violence? Now he's in a deep study. Mary, if he studies himself out of this tower, he's a cleverer fellow than I take him for. Were I not Osman's captive, all might yet be well. Summoning my vassals, who by this time must be near at hand, forcing the castle and tearing Angela from the arms of a tyrant. Alas, my captivity has rendered his plan impracticable. Eternal curses upon Gilbert, who persuaded me to adopt this artifice. Curses on my own rash folly, which has thrown me thus defenseless in the power of my foe. That's right. Another stamp or two, and the tower comes rattling about our ears. And are there then no hopes of liberty? He fixes his eyes on us. Might not these fellows... Oh, I can but try. Now stand, my friend. Thou master key to human hearts, in me, thou potent devil gold, hear me, my worthy friends, come nearer. His worthy friends, are we such, Muley? Yes, truly we are, for friends in need are friends indeed. Mary, if he were not in need, he would call us his mortal foes. My good fellows, you are charged with a disagreeable office and to obey a tyrant's mandates cannot be pleasant to you. There is something in your looks which has prejudiced me too much in your favour to believe it possible. Nay, there certainly is something in our appearance highly prepossessing. And I knew that you must admire the delicacy of our complexions. 
the tincture of your skin, my good fellow, is of little consequence. Many a worthy heart beats within a dusky bosom, and I am convinced that such a heart inhabits yours, for your looks tell me that you feel for, and are anxious to relieve my sufferings. You see you this purse, my friends? It's too far off, and I'm short-sighted. If you'll put it a little nearer. Restore me to liberty. And not this purse alone, but ten times its value shall be yours. To liberty. That purse? Muley? Saib. By all my hopes, they hesitate. You will know that my wealth and power are equal, not to say superior to Earl Osmond's. Release me from my dungeon and share that power and wealth. On the events of today depends my life's future happiness, nay, perhaps my life itself. Judge then, if you assist me, how great will be the service rendered me, and believe that your reward shall equal my obligation. I know not what to answer. In truth, my lord, your offers are so generous, and that purse is so tempting. Saib, what say you? Winking to him. The earl speaks so well. And he promises so largely that I own I'm strangely tempted. Look you, Saib, will you stand by me? Saib, after a moment's thought. I will. There's my hand, then. My lord, we are your servants. This is beyond my hopes. A thousand thanks, my worthy fellows. Be assured that the performance of my promises shall soon follow the execution of yours. Of that we make no doubt. You agree then to release me? Tis impossible to do otherwise, for I feel that pity, generosity, and every moral feeling command me to trouble your lordship for that purse. There it is. And now unlock the door. Muley, chinking the purse. Here it is. And now I'm obliged to you. As for your promises, my lord, pray don't trouble yourself to remember them as I shan't trouble myself to remember mine. Percy, starting. Huh? What mean you? Saib, firmly. Well, that we are faithful. I wonder you didn't read that, too, in our amiable looks. What? Will you not keep your word? In good truth, no. We mean to keep nothing, except the purse. Perfidious villains! You mistake us, sir. We cannot be villains, for I, you know, am your lordship's worthy friend. And I, your lordship's unworthy pensioner. Confusion! To be made the jest of such rascals! Earl Percy, we are none, but we should have been, could your gold have bribed us to betray our master. We have but done our duty, you have but gained your just reward. For they who seek to deceive others should ever be deceived themselves. Silence, fellow. Leave me to my thoughts. Throwing himself passionately upon the couch. Oh, with all our hearts, we ask no better. Muley, we share that purse? Undoubtedly. Sit down and examine its contents. They seat themselves on the floor in front of the stage. How unfortunate that the only merit of these villains should be fidelity. Oh, no hope now is left. Angela is lost, and with her my happiness. 
chorus of voices singing without. Sing Hark, what's that? I'll see. Mounting upon the table. Ah, this window is so high. Here, here, take this chair. Sai places the chair upon the table and thus lifts himself to a level with the window, which he opens. Sleep, you are wake, you lady bright. Sing, Megan, oh, Megany. Now is the finest time for flight. Sing, Megan, oh, Megany. No, from your tyrant father's power, beneath the window of your tower, a boat now waits to set you free. Sing, Megan, oh, Megany, sing, Megan, oh, Megany. Percy, who has half raised himself from the couch during the latter part of the song, and listened attentively. Surely I know that voice. Now what's the matter? A boat lies at the foot of the tower, and the fishermen sing while they draw their nets. I could not be mistaken. It was Gilbert. Hark! They begin again. Though deep the stream, though high the wall. Sing Megan, oh, Megany. The danger, trust me, love, is small. Sing Megan, oh, Megany. To spring below that never dread, my arms to catch you shall be spread, and far from hence you soon shall be. Sing Megan, oh, Megany. Sing Megan, oh, Megany. I understand him. He bids me. Yet the danger. What course shall I pursue? Prithee, come down, Saib. I long to divide the purse. Stay a moment. One more stanza, and I'm with you. Now, silence. Fair Emma, hush her heart's alarms. Sing Megan, oh, oh Megany. She sprang into her lover's arms. Sing Megan, oh, oh Megany. Unhurt she fell, then swift its way, the boat pursued without delay, while Emma placed on Edgar's knee, sang Megan, oh, oh, Megany. Sing Megan, oh, oh, Megany. Will you never quit that window? Saib. Shutting it and descending. Here I am, and now for the purse. They resume their seats upon the ground. Saib opens the purse and begins to reckon the gold. Yes, I must brave the danger. I will faint asleep, and when my jailers are off their guard, then aid me, blessed Providence. 
extending himself upon the couch. Hold, Muley. What if instead of sharing the purse, we throw for its contents? Here are dice. With all my heart, and look to pass our time better, here's a bottle of the best sack in the Earl's cellar. Good, good. And now, be this angel the stake. But first, what is our prisoner doing? Oh, he sleeps. Mind him not. Come, come, throw. Here goes. Nine. Now to you. Nine, too. Double the stake. Agreed. And the throw is mine. Hark, what noise? During this dialogue, Percy has approached the table in silence. At the moment that he prepares to mount it, Saib looks round, and Percy hastily throws himself back upon the couch. Oh, nothing, nothing. Methought I heard the Earl. Mere fancy. You see, he is sleeping soundly. Come, come, throw. There, then. Eleven. That's bad. Huzzah. Sixes. Plague on your fortune. Come, double or quits. Be it so, and I throw. Zounds! Only five. Ha <laughs> ha, then I think this must be mine. Aces by heavens. Ha ha ha! Your health, friend. Percy, who has again reached the table, mounted the chair, and opening the window, now stands at it, and signs to the men below. They see me, and extend a cloth beneath the window. Tis a fearful height. Do you mean to empty the bottle? Come, come, give it me. Take it, Blunderhead. Saib drinks. They encouraged me to venture. Now then, or never. Angels of bliss, protect me! He throws himself from the window. Muley and Saib starting at the noise. Hell and furies! Saib dashes down the bottle and climbs to the window hastily, while Muley remains below in an attitude of surprise. Escaped! Escaped! Percy, Motley, without. Huzzah! 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 End of the second act.